Welcome to Coffee Confessions with Cody and Felicia. Happy Memorial Day, guys. This is one of the episodes we're probably most, like, excited about or, like, dear to us, I guess you could put it. Yeah. Um, Ironically, before Cody and I ever met, um, obviously our our husbands were in the army, but, um, we, every year we would take our children, um, to a memorial. It's the first thing we do Memorial day. Um, we do it every year since my daughter was whatever she's six now. So for the past six years, well, we did it before, but even more so with my kids, um, we took our kids to a memorial and we would walk and we would read the names and we would just kind of take a moment of silence and it wasn't that long it was maybe 15 20 minutes maybe got as long as you can keep a, a little yeah. quiet for but and trying yeah. to tell them like don't touch that please like, please don't <laughs> please don't make us get you know kicked out of here right now um and my husband lost a friend um you know a few years ago so it's very like it's something that's important to him and so we always try to take that moment of silence and ironically um I mean not ironically if you know us I guess <laughs> it uh, makes sense right like Cody did it too so you guys have been doing yeah. it right yeah we did it um okay mainly not mainly but if you've lived at Fort Bragg for a long time you know that all American week jumps off usually the week um before Memorial Day and it's honestly like a really magical time. I feel like in Fayetteville to be mm-hmm. a part of that. And it sucks that this year, like we weren't able to do it. Um, but they put out a boot memorial every year um, on a field out here. And, you know, when my girls were babies, they didn't do as much in El Paso or that I knew of. So we didn't get to experience a lot, but we knew when we came back to Bragg, it was one of our number one things. Like we wanted them to know we wanted them. We want to immerse our children as much as we can into military culture, because that's the life that they're growing up in and are going to grow up in for at least another 10 years until my husband retires. So it's very important to both of us to know, to show our children that, you know, there are people who have sacrificed their lives for you. Um, and this is kind of like what a soldier's job is, you know, they do go off to war and they do do these things, but they do them because they love their country deeply. So our first one was the boot memorial and, uh, it makes me choked up to think about it. Cause if you've never walked out, oh my God, on that field and saw all yeah. those boots lined up, it will take your breath away just to see how many soldiers have paid the ultimate sacrifice for all of the freedoms that we have. And, um, it was just really important for our girls to see that. And I think it's a really good way for them to visualize it. And then we both, um, Felicia and I have both taken our children to another one here in Fayetteville, which is the flags. And I mean, that one is just as overpowering to see a field filled of flags for service members. Yeah. Like there are dozens and dozens of these flags. Um, and it's just, it's very powerful. And I think it's very important for your child to see And those two memorials, I think do it best because, you know, while they might not understand what you're telling them, they, kind of get as they get older, they can view it. Yeah. They can see it. Oh, wow. That's a lot of boots. Oh my goodness. That's a bunch of flags. And you can, you know, explain it to your child, how you choose to obviously being, you know, parents of military children, we probably are a little bit more straightforward and honest about it. Um, just because that's, you know, the life that they're growing up around and it's probably more common for them to lose a friend or a loved one um in battle then it would be maybe you know 
a civilian. Yeah. So yeah, Felicia and I, it was just something that was like super important to us to engrave in our children that these people have paid the ultimate sacrifice for you to have the things that you have. Yeah. And it's so hard because like, um, which we'll get into a little bit later, but it's like Memorial day for, I don't want to say normal people because we're normal, but like for civilian side, right. It's just like, Oh, let's barbecue and grill. And I mean, yeah. and I'm, I'm on it to be honest. I was one of those people. Like I remember, like I can be straight up honest with you at 22 being like my friends were, I was at work and my friends were at home drinking and I was like, Oh, I need to go to, I hurt my tooth. I need to go to the dentist so I could leave work to go drink on Memorial day. Yeah. Like we've all done it. We've all and been I mean, there. even like, still, like after we do a yeah. Memorial or something, we might grow out or something like that because it's yeah. like, it's like a bittersweet moment. Like it is to remember that, but it's not like, like remember them, like, like in a good way, you know, like they gave their all, they are like heroes. They are like treasured. They are like, you know, so it's not like, I don't know. It's so hard to explain and we'll get into it a little bit more, but um, it's just different when you see it from like the military Some, side. A gold star spouse. Yeah. Right. Point of view. Yeah. Our, so even a military. We haven't, yeah. And we haven't spilled the beans on this yet. So um, we pulled together a little, I wouldn't call it a surprise, but it is a surprise. It was a surprise for us when she agreed oh, to do it. But, um, Britt Harris, uh, you may know her from the media coverage of her husband's death um christopher harris he passed in 2017 because i remember so. when we got here yeah like and i was talking to okay we we love our podcast and when she agreed to this we honestly like Britt, if you're listening to it now like we had butterflies we were like she is she's respected you know she's very like very respected and so we were a little bit nervous but like if you I remember like moving to a new duty station and I like new to this area, remember Chris Harrison. Like I know who it is, what the situation is. You know, I know who Britt Harris is. Like it's something like in the military community that is very like, what was, what, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. So when she agreed to it, like we were so nervous, but um, she's, she's very sweet. Um, And we were super excited to do this interview with her. So that being said, we kind of dive in. Um, she tells you her story. Um, yeah, get some tissues, you guys, because you're going to need them. This is the most we cried. authentic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I cried telling my mom about it. Felicia cried telling her mom about it. You guys, I'm telling you, you have never heard this story before the way she tells it now. And I just cannot. And I think it really listen. opened up our eyes. Like we were talking about yeah. it afterwards. We're like, you think about it, but you like, we know that could always like, unfortunately, and as like as gory or like sad as it sounds, it could be our reality one day. Like it's just the, yeah. the career that our husbands are in. And um, like you think about it and you know, like it's a possibility, but you don't really think about it. And when she like, she's going to spill the beans. And when she does, like, yeah. you're just like, whoa like I had a knot in my stomach for her like I could feel yeah. like that for her you know like I like, yeah and you'll see what we mean as she reveals these details because let me tell you what it it wasn't just her husband passing when she describes what was going on in her life at that mo at that time your heart is going to ache for her but I will say you know one thing she kept reiterating to us is hey look 
don't be sad for me because, you know, as much as it sucks and it's sad, she loves to talk about yeah. her husband. So go into this knowing that she wants to tell this story because she wants every American to hear his name and to know his sacrifice and know how much she loved him and still loves him. So, you know, you're going to need tissues, but just know that this is not coming from a sad place in her heart. This is her, this is what she loves to do. She loves to tell stories about her husband and we were so excited to be able to hear her story. So take it away. (laughs) Today we have a guest speaker with us. She was very patient with all of our technical difficulties and, um, we're just super excited to be here to chat with us a little bit today. Um, some of you may know her, some of you may not. So we are going to introduce you to Britt Harris. Um, her husband passed away in the line of duty. Um, and since Memorial Day is today, we are super excited to have her just come on and talk a little bit. So Britt, would you give um, a little bit of your backstory, maybe you know a little bit about you and Chris and kind of where you guys are at now and the events that led to that? Oh uh, yeah, sure. So Chris and I met in like January 2016 and we got married on May 27th, 2016 at the courthouse and didn't tell anybody. <laughs> and then we had our actual wedding on October 15th, 2016 and that's when we told everyone, oh look, we're married. So Memorial Day weekend typically falls around our wedding anniversary, which is kind of depressing because it's like, well, I want to celebrate our anniversary, but I'm also reminded that he's not here as well. Um, We met, we got married, we were just like head over heels in love with each other, like couldn't stay away from each other, always together. Chris was the life of the party everywhere we went. Like everyone wanted to like run up and talk to him. Like he, everyone was Chris's friend for sure. Um, he deployed. Um, let's see. He deployed in July of 2017 for his first deployment. And like three weeks into his deployment, I started thinking like, man, I really don't feel good. I feel kind of off something's not right and I took a pregnancy test because I thought this doesn't seem like I'm pregnant but I've never been pregnant so I don't know maybe I'm just crazy because it's only three weeks in and no one knows that soon but I actually got a positive pregnancy test and ran to the store and like decorated (laughs) this little onesie and like came back home it was like oh I'm gonna like you know do this super key like originally my idea was okay, send it to him in a care package. You know, I got on Pinterest and started looking up all the ideas. Like, it's going to be in a care package. He's going to open it in front of all his friends. It's like, confetti is going to be everywhere. It's gonna be cool. And I was like, no, I can't keep in a secret that long at all. Like, I suck at secrets. I'm the worst. Like, every time I buy someone a present, I'm like, hey, I got you something. You want to know what it is? They're like, no, I will not tell you. Like, I have to tell you. I can't keep secrets. So I was like, all right, screw it. I'm going to go decorate a little one. Run back home before he, like, wakes up. Afghanistan and our, our times were different. So I was like, okay, before he wakes up, I will have something ready for him to tell him that I'm pregnant. And I had this little onesie and I took like four pregnancy tests in the span of like, I was just like chugging water, like, oh my God, is this real? And just like taking them one after the other. Extra and safe. 
yeah, running around my house alone, like freaking out, like excited and terrified all at the same time. And so Chris, you know, it's time for him to wake up. And I was like, hey, I need you to call me. And he's like, you know, I'm really busy. I'm about to start getting my day started. I'm like, no, no, you like have to call me. I had the worst day at work. I really need to talk to someone. Like, please call me. FaceTime me because we don't really FaceTime right now because we just gotten there and like we weren't really in like a routine yet and things were still really fresh. So like we didn't have like a FaceTime like date night or anything. Like, you know, like hey, we're gonna call each other on this night. But I was like, you have to call me on FaceTime. So he's like, Okay, fine, whatever. So he calls me and he's like brushing his teeth. And there's guys like walking around. They're like, Oh, what's, what are you doing, Chris? And um, he's like, Okay, what happened? And I just, I talk a lot. I'm that person that talks nonstop. And I was just like tongue tied. And I was like, Uh, and he was like, What? Like, what is, what do you need to talk about? And I was like, Uh, I don't know. And he was like, Uh, okay, then I'm gonna have to get off the phone if you can't talk. And I was like, uh, and it's like flipped the phone over to like this onesie that I had laid out. And it's like, Chris, you're going to be a dad, like spelled out in little like stickers. Aww. And he just immediately like started like, what, what are you serious? Are you serious? And I was like, so excited. And, like I turned the camera back over to myself and I was like, yeah, like I'm, I'm pregnant. And he starts cheering. He's got like tears Aww. in his eyes. Like, it was such a sweet moment. He starts screaming to everyone in the background. I'm going to be a dad. I'm going to be a dad. And I was like, whoa, shut up. Don't <laughs> tell people. Because literally it's been three, four weeks since you were here. You can't like just, no, it could be a false positive. I could have a miscarriage. Like we have to wait till we're out of the first trimester. Don't tell anyone. So like the next several days were me in full blown panic and Chris like head over heels. Like he was so excited. He wanted to be a dad more than anything. Were you like, guys actively trying? We were not trying. Actually, I had no idea. Like we, <laughs> we weren't even like, and I don't want to be graphic, but we weren't like sleeping together a lot because we were getting ready for his deployment and we were going and getting like last minute things that he needed, like, you know, his little checklist and getting every, we had moved recently because our lease had just come up and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to move back home towards like where my family is so I can be close to them. And I, like we were so overwhelmed and like the there was no mood you know it was like depressing like my husband's about to leave like I'm sad we just got married technically in October that everyone's aware of and I just didn't want him to leave so it wasn't like oh yeah come here babe so we weren't you know romantically like right. doing a lot so I definitely didn't expect to be pregnant and when I actually got my conception date later on from my doctor, it was the day he deployed because it was like, he was like, Hey, I'm leaving. And I was like, all right, like I'm one more time for you. And I actually got pregnant, which was like miraculous. I was just like, I can't believe that, you know, that was the time that I got pregnant of all the possibilities and probabilities out there. Like that was the one time that I got pregnant and yeah. it was so close to not being pregnant. But uh, so I told him and he was just so excited. He wanted to be a dad. He loved kids. Like he had almost had a, a baby from a previous relationship and it didn't work out. And, you know, the baby didn't make it. It was just something that had devastated him. Like he really, really wanted a, a baby, which kind of, you know, made me think about like, why was I so nervous to tell him? Like he was going to be excited. There was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Like he was going to be happy. 
and uh but I was just so nervous I'd never said those words before like I'm pregnant but um so like a week went by of like he just was just so happy on cloud nine like let's pick out names like let's you know we need to get a new house to get a bigger place we need to start buying things so I was like okay and I literally went out to a store and bought like a ton of baby stuff like gender neutral baby stuff and I was like hey I spent like a few hundred dollars today he was like that's okay and I was like okay are you sure he's like yeah buy it all get all the baby stuff you want like he was and um so I was just like freaking out like on the inside though like how are we gonna afford this like do I stay home do I keep working like full-time like what does it make sense to do daycare or you know what's the offset of this like financially like what do we do? Like, where are we going to live? Like our place that I'm living right now isn't big enough to accommodate a baby. Like it was just like stress for me. And, but like totally opposite for him, he couldn't have been happier. Like I still have some of our text messages where he was like, what are you doing? And I was like dancing. And he was like, no, no dancing. Like you <laughs> down. The baby's like fragile. You can't dance. Oh, oh my gosh, you. I was like, you're crazy. And he was just so funny though. But, um, he was, he was excited. And then of course, like girl, or he was just excited for anything. He wanted a boy. Obviously he wouldn't have cared either way. Um, like I had seen him interact with his friends, kids, like the entire time we were together, he was just phenomenal either way. Um, but like we talked about it and I was like, I want a girl. And he was like, no, a little boy. And I was like, no, a girl. And he was like, like we picked out a name for a girl and I couldn't think of one for a boy, but I was like, um, I want a little girl. And he's like, well, I want a boy because I want to take him fishing. Cause Chris loved to fish like deep sea fishing, especially. And I was like, I want to take a little boy fishing. And I was like, they make Barbie fishing poles. And he was like, I guess, like, I guess I could take a little girl. I was like, yeah, you're right. You could take a little girl. We're not going to be, you know, discriminating. We're going to have a little girl for fishing. And he was like, okay. Um, so it was just like a whole week of just like, this new transformation for our marriage we went from being like you know husband and wife and all about each other to we're gonna be parents and this was like this new journey we were about to take and we were so excited and then uh, I'd say about a week after I told him I was pregnant like I was at work and I was sending him links to um like uh, houses that we could afford that were in our price range that would, you know, be big enough for a baby. So I was like, cause we're going to have to buy a house, like no more renting, no more moving back and forth all over the place. We're going to buy a house. And uh, Chris didn't answer. And it was at a time where he should have been eating lunch. And I know everyone says like the worst thing you do is set a routine or set a schedule for an appointment because when it, you don't stick to it, when you start panicking. So I was trying to remind myself that, like, we don't have a schedule, we don't have a routine, just because he's normally eating at this time doesn't mean that he should eat today, like, he hasn't told me anything, so maybe I'm just, like, being paranoid, but, so I just, like, kept sending links and, like, kind of talking to myself and his messages, and I was like, he'll get them when he gets them, Right. and still wasn't getting any answer, and, like, quite a bit of time had gone past, and I was just, like, I'm starting to get nervous, because this isn't like Chris, and... I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to, like, go to lunch with, like, one of my good friends that worked with me. I was like, hey, let's just lunch a day together, and, like, we'll go to this place. And I just, I'm a little shaken up right now, and I'd like you to be with me. And she was like, yeah, of course. So we go to lunch, and we're, we're at the place, and we order our food, and I go to sit down at the table to wait for my food to come out. 
and I had like one of those military uh, apps on my phone that like sent me like you know notifications like and this notification popped up on my phone and it was like two soldiers killed in Kandahar Afghanistan which is where Chris was I just like threw my phone down immediately like went into like a full-blown like panic attack and I was like hyperventilating I was like you gotta get me out of here and she was like what's wrong and I was like please forget the food like let's leave I have to go back to work I have to leave I have to go home I have to leave right now and she was like you're overreacting like you need to calm down like there's no way that that's Chris like you need to just relax let's have our lunch just relax and I was like okay yeah you're right you're right and then I was like no like screw this I can't be here I have to leave like I know it in my gut something's telling me that it's Chris and I have to get out of here like I'm going to freak out in public so she drove me back to work I went in and I found my manager and I was like you gotta send me home and at this point I have like mascara like streaming down my face like I'm in no way ready to like go back into work uh, I worked at a bank so I was like I can't face people right now like I have to leave I'm freaking out and of course my manager took me to the office shut the door and was like you need to just chill out you know there's that's a big army base like just because something bad happened does not mean it was your husband they're in lockdown I'm sure they're not able to call anybody he will call you when this is over and I was like it is Chris I'm telling you and I need to leave because I have this fear that they're going to show up and notify me at my job and she was like you can't even like stop shaking while like I don't think you're safe to drive and I was like I'm telling you like I'm leaving so I just like they finally like agreed to let me leave like in this like hysterical state and I went and, like, sat in my car in the parking lot and was just, like, crying, like, uncontrollably. And I remember feeling, like, so stupid. Like, there's nothing that said Chris. It's like, why am I so upset? Why am I, like, so over-the-top upset? But I just, like, couldn't get this, like, knot out of my, like, stomach. I was like, I know it's him. Like, I just feel it. But I went home and I was sitting there just, like, pacing. and Or I was pacing, not sitting. But I was home pacing the floors. And I remember just like calling everyone I could think of that was deployed or part of the FRG or anybody that would be connected to someone who might know something. And I was like harassing them. I was like, who are the names? And they were like, we don't know. We're not allowed to put that information out yet. And I was like, you need to tell me. And they were like, you know, Brittany, we can't tell you. We don't know any names. And I was like, yes, you do. And if you would just tell me that it's Chris, I could like start processing it. And I was, like, being not nice. I was not being, you know, polite to anyone about this. Like, I was so upset that I was just, like, yelling at people. Like, why won't you just tell me? Like, you know, why would you lie to me like this? And I'm sure to them I sounded like an absolute crazy person. Like, calling them over and over and over. Like, begging for a confirmation of something that they honestly didn't have information to. But I just, like, couldn't shake this feeling that it was going to be me. So, I'm, you know... I'm walking around my yard and I look over and there's this government car, like, you know, just a regular car, but have a government tag on the front and it's pulled into my driveway. And I was on the phone with one of my friends and I was like, I have to go. And I was like hung up on her and I like walked to meet them. And of course, like two notification officers got out in their dress uniforms. And I mean, you know, obviously you know what that is. Like they're there to notify you. I was just in like complete shock and so angry at the same time. Like how, one, I've been waiting for you. <laughs> Two, right. I don't want to see you at all. Like I don't want this to be real. And I was just 
like I told him I was like leave like get off my property like I don't want to talk to you and there was this one guy who had a very thick accent I want to say it almost sounded like French and if he hears this he's probably gonna be like that's not what my accent was but, <laughs> but I remember his accent so distinctly but I really don't know what it was but he started talking to me like he walked up to me and he had a piece of paper and I, it must have been like his first notification probably he was shaking and he was reading off this piece of paper and he was like are you the wife of a specialist Christopher Michael Harris and I, that was the only thing I ever heard and then I just kind of blacked out like I was just standing there looking at him not listening to anything else he said and I was just like this is really happening like, they're really telling me that Chris died and I just couldn't I couldn't like comprehend like I was absolutely 100% in shock like my body kind of like went numb and then I just went into like a panic and I wasn't crying I wasn't doing anything but just like it's like I couldn't breathe like I was like I'm gonna pass out I'm pregnant I don't know what to do and I just like kind of looked at him and I was like call me an ambulance and he was like what and I was like call me an ambulance I don't know if anybody there's like a an old like Grey's Anatomy episode and she's like screaming I think it's like the Asian lady. She's like screaming. She's like sedate me, sedate me. Can't remember what episode it is, but I that was me. I was just like looking at. I was like, you have to sedate me. Like right now, my heart feels like it's gonna beat out of my chest. I'm gonna pass out. I'm gonna like freak out. Like I don't know how to process these emotions. This is nothing that's ever happened to me before. I don't know if I'm angry or sad or like I'm gonna throw up. Like sedate me. Put me down to sleep so I don't have to feel this right now. So they called an ambulance and uh, because I told him, I was like, I'm pregnant. And he just like looked at me and was like, what? And I was like, yeah, I'm, like, I'm pregnant. And like, obviously no one knew that because it had only been like a week since I had found out. So they had no information of this whatsoever. So they were like, call an ambulance right now. And the ambulance showed up. And unfortunately, my, my grandfather that raised me had passed away from a heart attack. Um, just about five or six months prior to that. And I was on his property, like at a house that he had owned. And the guy was like, I've been here before. And I was like, what? And he was like, did you have like a, an uncle or someone that lived here? And I was like, no, my grandpa. And he was like, I came to that call. And I was like, great. Thanks. <laughs> hey, let's talk about that. Like, the, the man that's essentially my father that raised me had just passed away six months prior and rocked my world. And I was just like devastated on top of it like my best friend of years and years and years had passed away the day that Chris deployed so I was like going through two major losses on top of this already like within a six month span my grandpa died unexpectedly of a heart attack my best friend died in childbirth the day that Chris deployed was when they took her off life support and then a month later they show up at my house to tell me that Chris has died as well and I'm pregnant so I was like that's it like you got to put me under like I don't want to think I don't want to feel I don't want to be awake right now and of course they tell me like no you're pregnant there's nothing we can do for you you're just gonna have to handle this and like took all my vitals and they were like you uh you just have to be strong like try to give me a pet talk and I was just so pissed off like, don't talk like, don't give me like hope that you're gonna be okay. and um my mother in law texts me in the middle of all of that and said have you heard from chris today i haven't heard from him and i was like oh god like she doesn't know so like i looked at my notification officer and was like you're gonna drive me there right now and you're gonna tell her in front of me and it's gonna be done the right way because 
Chris would be furious if she didn't get it like the proper way. And I was just like worried that she would find out like some other way before we could get there. I think it was like a 45 minute drive. So they put me in the car. Well, they actually took me in my house and packed a bag for me. And I remember being just out of it. I, they fed my dog. They put them in their cages. They like straightened up a little bit. They packed a bag for me. They were like, you're probably going to want to stay with her. And I was like, do you think so? And he was like, yeah. And uh, the guy could not have been more polite. And there was some, he like walked up to me and he was like whispering. He was like, do you have like underwear that you can take with you? And I was like, I'll, I'll get that. And he was like, okay, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I was like, you're fine. Like I'll pack the rest of the bag. I mean, he was just like, you know, trying to think of everything. He was like, you have a phone charger and stuff. And I was like, yes, thank you. I appreciate it. And um, so they drove me there. And that was like 10 times worse a hundred times worse than my own notification. I look back on that and I'm like, why did I go to that? Why was I there? Like I should not have been there. It was the most awful thing I've ever witnessed in my life was her getting notified. But then I'm like, well, I'm glad I was there because then I immediately was able to run and comfort her once they notified her. But that was like a whole different experience. And, you know, I've written a blog about it and talked about it in depth. Like it was, it was pretty traumatic because she didn't know I was pregnant and she didn't know I was going to be in the car and she didn't know that these people were coming to notify her. She was just like cooking dinner and like getting ready for the rest of her night. And I show up in a car with two soldiers to tell her that, you know, that Chris is gone. So I stayed with her that night and ended up because I didn't want to leave her side. So we're about to have a baby we're so happy and then within a week like flipped over to I'm 25 I'm pregnant and I'm a widow and I've lost three of the most important people in my life within six months and I am so alone I'm not living in my house I don't want to go back to work I don't want to face anybody and the news went out that Chris had passed and my phone was just like lit up all night long. And I was just laying on a floor at his parents' house, just like crying uncontrollably, turned my phone off, didn't want to talk to anybody, didn't want to say anything. And I mean, it was just like the end of the world, you know? And for a few days, like I didn't speak to anyone. I didn't acknowledge anyone. I, I went and got a dress because they told me I had to go to Dover to receive Chris's body. And I went out in Chris's pajamas that were like way too big for me, but that's what I was sleeping in because I wanted to just be like close to him. I was in his bed at his parents' house. I was wearing his clothes. I hadn't brushed my hair. I was an absolute mess of what you would expect someone to look like that had just lost their husband. And um, I had my friend, I was like, come get me and take me into town. I have to wear something nice to Dover to receive Chris back into the United States. And she was like, okay, I'll take you. She took me to a store and the lady that was like the manager, like, I mean, I could not have looked worse. My hair was all over the place. I mean, like men's pajamas, like in flip-flops, just like staring at the wall, like crying in public. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. And this manager came up and was like, I know exactly who you are. She was like, I saw your husband on the news. And I was like, oh, and she was like, what do you need? I was like, I need a dress. And she went and like got like three associates and they went and found every style of black dress that I said I kind of liked and went and found them throughout the store. 
brought them to me and said, try them on. And I found one that I liked. And I was like, I like this. This kind of shows, like, I don't even have, like, a baby bump yet. But this kind of kind of looks like I might. And I was like, and I would want to advertise that, you know, I'm pregnant with Chris's baby because I'm proud to have his baby. And I was like, this is the dress that I kind of like. And I looked at the tag and I was like, oh, no, 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 never mind. I can't afford that. And she was like, huh, well, that's weird. It's on sale today. And I was like, oh, you don't that. She was like, no, no, it's on sale today. And like marked it down for me. And I was just like crying in the dressing room. I was like, thank you. She was like, is there anything else you need? I was like, no. And so I got my dress and then I was like, I need to go to the pharmacy and get a prescription because my doctor had called in something to help me sleep because obviously it wasn't sleeping. And I show up at the pharmacy and the lady, the pharmacist, she was like, I know who you are. And I was like, oh, like everyone in town knew, you know, and it was like, I couldn't escape it. And I was just like, oh, uh, like, what do I say? And she was like, are you okay? And I was like, no. And like, she took me into the back room and made me sit down. And she was like, have you eaten today? And I was like, no, ma'am. She like went and got food, got yogurt, got snacks, got my prenatal, got my medicine, sat me down, brought me a box of tissues locked me in a room where they give like flu shots kind of and was like sat there with me and cried and was like is there anything else I can do for you she's like don't worry I'll pay for all this and like swipe her debit card and pay for all my stuff oh my god I mean people were just like like everywhere I went someone was like what can I do for you how can I help you and I was just like this walking sad cloud of black you know trying to this is amazing that people that don't know want to be nice to me and then my friend started like to find me because people had like asked her like oh you know i want to do something for real and give her some money for the baby so they had started to go find me i had no idea it existed and then when i saw it i was just like blown away so many people had like reached out and wanted to do nice things and were trying to think of the baby and everything and so then i after chris's so like my birthday Chris passed on August 2nd, 2017. And then my birthday was August 13th. And we spent it at the funeral home because his funeral was the 14th. It was the next day. So we spent all of my birthday at the funeral home going over last minute details and like making sure everything looked right. And it was just the worst birthday ever. And it obviously Still is not good. Like I dread my birthday every year now because it's the same month that Chris died. It's the same day before his funeral. Still, like ruined forever. And it used to be something you know fun and that I looked forward to. And now it's just like that whole month. I just I hate it. But uh, I had did his funeral and then after that I just like disappeared. And I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't want to speak to my own family. I didn't talk to my friends is went into hiding and that's I just didn't want to be bothered and I had a lot of like news people reach out and they're like we'd love to do an interview and I was like no leave me alone just leave me alone I don't want to talk to you I don't want to be part of anything and then after a couple months of like being just you know mad at the world and isolating myself my mother-in-law went to me and sat down and she was on the end of Chris's bed and was like it'd really make me happy if you would like start talking about him like on interviews and I was like no I'm terrified to be on camera I'm terrified to talk to people I'm just I'm not good at stuff like that I don't want to do it I don't want to talk to people I don't want people to see me cry like I hate to cry in front of people this is just stressful for me to even think about and she was like well if you don't talk about him who will and I was like you're right and I mean this is a woman who I can't describe her in any other way than other than she was saying 
she is the nicest, most caring person I have ever met. And it's been that way since day one. Like she has always been the most wonderful woman I've ever met. Like she just, she's great. And she's so soft spoken and so sweet and just so generous. And I looked at her and, you know, Chris had, she was not able to have children and she adopted Chris and raised him as a single mom for like 13 years. Wow. She had done everything she could for him. Like they were very, very, very close. And I just remember looking at her like, yeah, I lost my husband. Like, like, damn, you lost your, your baby, your kid. Like there's nothing worse than that. You know? Yeah, and I'm, like, I'm wallowing in self pity in his bedroom up here. Like, why me? I looked at her and I was like, "You lost your kid." Like, you know, it kind of dawned on me. Like, you're right. I do need to get out there and I do need to talk about him. For you, so I started doing a few like interviews here and there, like on the news about Chris, and then I got to do a couple like um, on the Pickler and Finn show on the CMT and. Um, and then I got to like fly out other places and do things and, you know, memory of him and like Ewat memorials and stuff started popping up. And like, he started getting like invitations, like, you know, family of Christopher Harris and his mom and I would start showing up like with um, like our lanyards and his name. And we were like there to represent Chris and it stopped being so much of woe is me. I hate my life. I hate this has happened to me. And it was like, I'm Chris Harris wife I'm his widow I'm his representative I am him like I'm going to do everything I can to make sure people know who he is I'm going to be his mouthpiece from now on and we did the gender reveal and you know that was with the guys that were still over in Afghanistan and that went viral and then when they came home they did a photo shoot with her that went even more viral so then even more things started opening up and it was more opportunities to talk about Chris. And, um, like we did CNN live and we did some German television interviews and Christian and Chris were like printed in a, um, a newspaper in India. And like, people were like, you know, how do you find strength to go do all this and, and to talk about him and, you know, where do where does his strength come from? And I was like, literally from like his mom and our daughter it's not me. It's not about me. I don't want to talk about myself. I don't care about like me. I want to talk about him. And I want to talk about Christian. And I want to talk about, you know, the things that make mother happy. Every time I looked at her, it's all I could think of was like, you lost your child. And now that I'm a mom, I think about that. And I'm like, if something happens to my child, I couldn't live. I couldn't wake up. I couldn't function. It was bad enough to lose my spouse. And it's just two different losses completely and I don't ever ever want to know what that's like to lose a child and I just couldn't stop like grieving for her all of a sudden like I was grieving for myself for a while but then I started grieving for his mother and I just wanted to make her proud I wanted to make her happy I wanted to do anything I could to like you know, make her smile just a little bit. And like the only times that she really seemed happy at that point were when people were talking about Chris and when people were doing things for him. And so I just tried really hard to, you know, do anything I could that would bring even like the slightest bit of joy back into her life. Obviously when our little girl Christian was born, she 
did like a 180. <laughs> she went from being a very distraught, which was understandable and deservingly so, like grieving mother, to all of a sudden this energetic, happy, full of life grandma for the first time. And, you know, Chris and I were only children. We don't have siblings. There's no other grandchildren. And so Christian's the only one, and she is spoiled. <laughs> real bad like like, you know we try to like when she's like demanding things and like grandma will give in I'll just like try to look away I'm like it's out of love like she's gonna be fine like she's not gonna be uh, like you know bratty or anything one day she'll be good but it's like you know you can't not spoil her because she wants to just like Chris you know this is her first grandchild and her only grandchild it was like whatever. Just, I have a question for you about um, now since you were pregnant, you know, before Chris even deployed, you found out after he deployed, and Christian um, was born after he passed. And yeah, I follow you on social media, so I've seen like all your pictures of her, and she is so cute. I love her bright blue eyes and those curls. But now that she's becoming a toddler, and you know, maybe putting words together and able to voice things. Does she ever like voice any curiosity about her dad or, and if she does, how have you gone about like explaining to her, you know, why daddy's not here and, and, you know, stuff like that. Yes. Kind of a learning process for me as well as her, I think like, I don't know. There's no like book on how to do this. And I've asked other people like, what do I do? Like, how do I address this? You know, like, I, I don't know, so I'm just trying to do the best that I can. But like, we have pictures of Chris, and for you know the like first big part of her. I mean, she's only two, but like for the first part, like we would point to Chris's picture and say, "That's Daddy. That's Daddy." But it, you know, as she was like learning to say words, like she just kind of associated like you know men are called daddy and I think a lot of toddlers and you know babies go through that like all men are daddy like you have the men one specific so she kind of like you know started calling like other men like she called her grandpa like daddy and we were just like or dad and I was like no like that's not right so like maybe we should stop saying daddy and dada until we can like reach a point where she understands that it's a, a difference and like differentiate that this just one person is called that and not all men are called that. So, cause you know, it was kind of sad to hear her like refer to other men, like that she would see, you know, friends or friends of Chris's or family members or whatever, like, Oh, Dada. And I'm like, no, like that, like that makes me sad. Like that's not Dada. So mm-hmm. we had people we calling him like daddy, Chris, or, you know, something to make sure she understood like that's just a specific person. Um, and then we had like t-shirts made that had like Chris's um, picture on them, like for an event that we did. And, you know, we like sold t-shirts and raised money for like other gold star children. And those t-shirts, we had some left over and obviously like we wear them and she'll point to them and, and like, she likes to see his picture and she recognizes it. And there was, um, it's called like SOS um, survivor outreach services. And it's here at Fort Bragg and, uh, I think they have them at most military bases. It's for the families of fallen soldiers and it's like resources to help them. And it's just like a center that is dedicated to helping those families and the, all the things you're going to do, like your taxes are going to change your, you know, 
mortgages and all that stuff that's like overwhelming that you don't know how to take on like they help you with that and um they have like a wall of honor and i take christian in there a lot and like finally chris he had a plaque like put up and it took a while to get it put up because they had to fill up the plaque which is unfortunate that that's the process but enough you know people had to be put on the plaque before the plaque went up like completed so when that plaque finally filled up with like 12 soldiers it went up and i took her there to see it and i walked right up you know and we were just like kind of glancing around and she pointed right to chris's picture and was like dada and i was like that is him yeah that's great you know that she recognizes that's him um because she's seen his picture you know in the house and on t-shirts and stuff but she doesn't you know she doesn't know that that's daddy yet and that's just something like i'm trying to plant the seed now that this is daddy this is dad but i don't know how like she's gonna like comprehend that like everyone else has daddy why don't i like why is he only in pictures and i mean it's something that's sad but i'll just have to like address it as we go and kind of like learn with her yeah i'm um, like i don't ever want to not address it like i want her to know from the get-go like that's daddy but daddy's in heaven like we told her that like daddy's in heaven obviously she has a concept of that right now too but i want it to be something that she's heard so often that she just is like oh okay yeah that makes sense like i've heard that before and that she's not like kind of taken aback like i don't want to wait until she's at an age where she's like wait why didn't you tell me or what this doesn't make sense or that's not fair i want her to be proud like when she goes to school and there's other dads i want her to be like yeah like my dad's a hero and i'm proud of him he's not here right now but that doesn't make me different right my own biological father died when i was 12 and i remember being embarrassed about that and it wasn't anything i should be embarrassed about but I remember being at school and when the other children heard that my dad died, um, because it wasn't like he didn't get sick or anything, like he was actually shot. And I was just like, it wasn't like a, you know, normal, like death. It was like murdered. And I was just like, I didn't know what to say. And they were asking questions like, how did your dad die? Like, you know, looking at me kind of odd because I was sad. And I was like, I feel weird like I don't have a dad now and I don't feel like they're right and everybody else had like married you know their parents had been together their whole lives and I didn't have anything you know my parents weren't married my dad has has gone now like I just felt different and I felt um like an outcast even though no one was like actually doing anything to me like mean it was just the fact that I was so different and I didn't know how to associate that with anything else no one else was like that so that was like one of my things that I thought about a lot when I was pregnant was when the time comes that she realizes that her dad's not here and other people might have their dads. Like that doesn't make you different in like a bad way that it's something that you can still be proud of. Like your dad's not here, but he's a hero and he died doing something really amazing and like fighting for, you know, people's freedom. And I want her to be proud of that instead of like, Oh, I'm different in a bad way, or I don't have a dad. Like, I don't ever want her to feel like that. I want her to feel like she has so much love and support that, you know, she doesn't ever feel like she's lacking anything. Right. I think you are actually doing a really great job at it. Like, as a mother of three, I'm just like, I think of you and Chris, and I immediately think of her too. So, um, 
I think you are doing great for just kind of going along with it for your first time. And um, I did want to ask you, what would you say your favorite memory of Chris is? Or is there something that you kind of see that kind of immediately brings him back to mind? Um, Hmm. Uh, I have a lot. Some of them are much more um, wild and <laughs> Chris was Chris was fun and like uh, we got in trouble a lot. So those are the stories I don't care. I'm like his mom doesn't need to know that we you know did crazy stupid stuff like that. Like we got into we got into everything together. Like Chris was just like so full of life. Like our our wedding was fun. Like that was a good memory. Um, the night he proposed, we, we were already married, but we were still like so nervous. And we both knew that he was going to propose at like this concert. It was like my favorite, my favorite artist. And he proposed in front of everyone. Like it was in like a symphony hall. And it's just like all these little things. Um, you know, I think about like the big moments that obviously are memorable, like proposing, getting married, stuff like that that you would expect. And then there's also like those small ones, like I find videos on my phone sometimes of um, like him talking to our dogs and just like kind of walking around. We had a puppy that he bought me and it was just like videos he would send me throughout the day while I was still at work if he had gotten home early. And he'd be like following the dog around, like talking to her and stuff and like laughing at like the things that she was destroying because she was a puppy. <laughs> and it's just like, I can hear him like laughing and I'm just like, that's like, that's such a good memory, just, like, hearing his laugh, instead of, like, yeah, I can think about our wedding night, and it was really sweet, and we had a lot of fun, but then I think about, like, these little videos I have of him just, like, dancing in the car, and, like, giggling and stuff, and, like, they're really short clips, you know, they were, like, Snapchat things that I had saved, and so, like, 10 seconds long, but it was just, like, those are fun, like, and I can still hear his voice, and they just make me smile, or, you know, hanging out with friends, and, like, just a random picture like of him smiling and stuff. And I, I go through and I look at those and I'm like, those kind of almost mean more because it's like, you expect to remember your wedding day, of course. Right. So like those little things that you kind of forget about, which is the worst guilt ever is to like forget a memory. And then it pop up later and you're like, God, I feel like garbage that I forgot that we had done that together because it's like you, you so badly want to hang on to every single memory with that person. And it's like this, desperate attempt to keep your like memory intact like remember every day that you spent together remember everything he ever said remember all the things so you can keep them and never let them go and pass it on to you know christian and every time i forget something and then i see a video or a picture of it later i'm like oh yeah i remember that i'm like oh my god it was so much fun it's like part of me feels guilty that i forgot it and the other part of me is like so grateful that i still have that picture of that video and I'm like, we had so much fun that day. That was such a good day. Like we weren't even like really doing it. Like we would take the Jeep like off road or something. And we just like had fun. I'm like, I really, really love those memories. And like that image of Chris, because it's the one that like no one else was there. It was just me. That puts you in that little spot. Like if he was right there with them. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that's the memory that I forgot. And I want to remember that one. And You know, there's, there's, lot of fun. So for families that have gone through this um, and now having you gone through it, what would be like your ultimate advice that you could give, you know, a wife or a family or another fellow mother-in-law, you know, coping with the death of a fallen soldier? What is something that maybe you wish somebody was able to tell you 
um, going through your grief with losing Chris. So the night that um, the night that Chris passed, I like I said, I didn't want to talk to anyone. I just my phone was just going crazy and I just was like ignoring it. Then I saw a name pop up, and I like scrambled to like get to my phone and like call her. And it was the only gold star I had ever known in my whole life. And I didn't really understand what a gold star was until I met her. And her husband is actually extremely well known. Like there was even a movie made about him and she lives close by. And I won't put their information out about it, but like she's a she's a big deal in the gold star world. And when I met her, I was just like, okay, like I you know, I don't know anything to know that why she's such a big deal. Um but I had known her through like a fan, a friend and she saw that Chris had passed and she, she sent me like a message and I called her immediately because I was like, she's the only person that knows like, what I'm supposed to do. And I remember I answered the phone and it was late. It had been like one or two in the morning and she was just like already crying when I answered the phone. And it's been like so many years. Like, I don't even know. Like, 20 to 30 years. I could be wrong about that, but it's, it's been a significant amount of time since her husband passed, but um, she was still crying for me. And it was like all this pain had just like come back for her. She was the only person that was able to actually help me. And she was like, you're going to go to Dover. You're going to do this. And you're going to do this and this and this. And this is the stuff that you need to go ahead and prepare yourself for. And I was like, okay, like, and then what do I do? You know, it was just so comforting to have someone tell me like, you are going to do this. Because that like unknown feeling was so stressful at that moment it was because like you just lost somebody. What do you do? Like when is the you know next time you're going to talk to somebody? Like do you go to sleep? Do you just sit there and wait on someone? Like you don't know. Like no one gives you like an itinerary of like the next few days. They're just like here's this information and then they leave. And then the next morning you start getting phone calls. But that whole night you're just like what what happens next? Um, so just like having her tell me like you're gonna handle this you're gonna be okay just you know prep your mind that you're gonna go to Dover and prep your mind for this thing and this thing and this thing and you're gonna be okay you're gonna get through this and I remember like that meant so much to me having someone that had been there and that was willing to like help me um and there's been a few people that have lost their husbands since Chris has passed that I've reached out to you or that have reached out to me and been like, what do I do? I just lost my husband. What's, what do I do? Like, how are you getting through this? And like, that's like the biggest compliment of like, I need your help. And I saw you get through it and you're doing okay. So how do I do it? And I'm like, I'm barely getting through it. And I'm so happy that it appears like I'm doing well because there's a lot of days that I still struggle and we're almost three years out, but just having someone like, Hey, I need your help. I'm like, I will, I would love to give it like the best thing I can say is like reach out to someone that is a gold star that has been through it because they'll tell you like all the things that no one else knows to expect. Like cause the army has like a particular way that they go about things and, you know, just having that mindset, like ready, like it's not so shocking and it's not such a, like, you know, it's not something that you can really comprehend that is coming, but when someone like prepares you for it a little better, it softens the blow. And you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I knew this was going to be my next step. So I'm a little okay with it now instead of just being like blindsided and like, hey, we're going here today. Or, hey, this is the next paperwork you have to sign. Because some of the paperwork is even like really traumatic. Like they 
brought in a paper that was like, we need you to sign this. And this paper says that if we find any additional body parts that you would want to know. And I was like, you want me to sign what? Like, I was mortified. Like, you can't really ask me to sign that paper or even bring that up. Like, that's just something that you don't ask me about, right? I mean, to let people know, like, hey, you're going to have to plan a funeral. You're going to have to pick out a casket. You're going to have to sign some really hard paperwork. You're going to have to do things that want to make you throw up. But, like, it's hard, but you can get through it. And just, like, having someone, like, kind of hold your hand through that. Like, hey. I know it's going to be bad. I know you don't want to have to do this stuff, but I promise you, like, you'll get through it. You'll do all the hard paperwork. You're going to plan this funeral. You're going to go to Dover. You're going to, you're going to do it all and you'll be okay. But there's a lot of like behind the scenes stuff that like most people don't know exist. And they're just like, Oh, you know, a soldier died. We have the funeral and then life goes back to normal. It's like, no, I have to essentially retire him out of the military. I have to sign very awful very detailed paperwork or you know read an autopsy or something or you know whatever it is like I have to keep doing paperwork for months and then I have to go out of the military life and into the civilian life and then I have to cancel all of our accounts together I have to go find all his insurance all his things I didn't I wasn't connected to then I have to show all these people like this is the paperwork that proves that I'm his widow that I'm his you know executor of his estate like I have to close all of this stuff out. I have to transfer everything into my name. Then once I'm done with that, then I have to start working on like our house. And do I keep his toothbrush? Do I throw it away? Is there a point in keeping a razor anymore? You know, but it is. Do I? It's just such a long, drawn out process. And there's so much like ahead that people don't even see coming. And like for people that are experiencing it now or should come in the future, like the best thing I can say is just like find someone who's been through it. And just even if you have to cling to them, like that's fine because they're going to know like what the next step is and they're going to help you get through it because that was something that was so important to me was having someone who had been there and survived it because it seems like you're not going to. It seems like you're just going to just die and that you're just going to crawl into that casket with your loved one and that's it. Your life's over. You're done. You have nothing to look forward to. But having someone that's like, doing well in life and thriving and happy again like you can see like how in the world did you get to this like you know you can't even imagine that you'll go from that day to someday in the future being happy and then looking at someone it's like nope I did it and I'm okay and I'm living and happy and things are okay again it's just you can't figure out how you're going to get from a to b but looking at someone else who's done it gives you hope and like you're just like okay well she did it so I can do it which is always you know when people said it to me like how'd you do it I'm like I'll I'll tell you how I did it and then I'll help you and then when you're here in a couple years we can look back on this and talk about it because you know there's always going to be another person unfortunately that follows in your footsteps until we're, we're done with you know any type of war which I don't see happening anytime soon but Right. And as sad as, as sad as it might be, I think it's it's kind of nice that you guys can like lean on each other. Like I know military wives in general kind of just lean on each other during those times because it's something that somebody in the civilian world wouldn't have ever known. And then something so tragic, like having somebody there who kind of experienced it and knows it, like brings you that peace and like hope for a better tomorrow, per se. But um, to kind of round it out, um, we are so thankful for you. Um, 
One last question. What does Memorial Day kind of look like for your family now? Like, do you guys get to go visit Chris or how do you guys, what do you guys do? So we go to Chris's um, cemetery. Um, He's close by and we go and they put out because it's a veteran cemetery. So there's always like little flags out and like we'll take some flowers there. But I remember Memorial, Memorial Day before this happened and now compared to now and I was like oh my god like it's so drastically different like it was like it's Memorial Day it's a four day woohoo you know like fun stuff and now it's like oh my god like this is so depressing like one it's like right at my like anniversary which is unfortunate then it's like two now I have to think about all of this all over again and it's I mean it never gets easier to deal with it's it never gets less painful it's easier to deal with but it's it's always equally painful and all of these pictures of Chris resurface and people start sharing them and it's like I'm so happy about that I love seeing pictures of Chris I love people sharing pictures of Chris on Memorial Day I love the fact that his pictures everywhere but then you know first thing when I get on my phone in the morning I start scrolling through social media I'm like it's kind of like a stab in the heart it's like oh god there's his face like that beautiful face like I love him so much I still do and it's just like it's heartbreaking and so bittersweet. It's like, wow, look at all these people that care about him and that want to remember him. But then at the same time, it's like, oh, I have to just keep reliving this like hard over and over and over. But I always like save all the photos. Like it's sad, you know, I see all the pictures. I'm like, look how happy he was, look how young he was. Like these are pictures from before we even met that people will post and like them at the beach together. And they're like, you know, I miss you, Chris. And I'm like, that's so sweet. And I screenshot it and I save the pictures and I put them like in a little album to give to Christian one day. And oh, I love that. Oh yeah. Every time someone posts a picture of him, I save it. Like if I don't have it already, because I'm like, I'm gonna give these to her. Because there's a there was a huge part of Chris's life before I existed, you know. And um I don't know a lot about it. Like I know the things that he told me or the things that his mom told me. I know some of his friends, but there's people that pop up like just the other day a girl messaged me and was like, Hey, like I just want to let you know when I moved into this town, I didn't know anybody. And your husband was like one of the first people to like be my friend. It was like so nice to me and really made me feel welcome. And like, you know, I just want to let you know, like he, he was such a good person and like really reached out to make sure that I didn't feel alone in this town when he saw me. And I was like, that was Chris. That was for Chris. You know, people can pick up stories like that. Like I love to see that. I love to hear that. And Memorial Day is like um, one of the definite like times of the year that that happens where people start sharing those pictures and those stories. So I'm like, I get kind of prepared. I'm like, I'm going to save a lot of photos tomorrow, you know, and um, just stuff like that is, it's like, I look forward to seeing new pictures of him or stories. And, um, but like, it, it is sad. It's not the fun four day that a lot of people enjoy anymore. And, you know, there's part of me that's like, Hey, we need to remember what Memorial day is about. Like, it's not just a four-day weekend for you guys to go have fun. And then you just part of it. You go have fun with your friends and family. Let's enjoy yourself. Like you shouldn't be guilted. You know, there's like those like right. things inside me. It's like, oh, remember all the soldiers and what this is about. And like, no, you know what? Go have fun. Go have fun. Yeah, because I think soldiers as much as it sucks, you know, when you think about it, nobody wants to, you know, no one wants to constant like unlike 
you, it's a constant reminder that you have to like go through every day, a memory that you have to relive over and over. And someone like Felicia and I, we only, you know, we only hear, oh, this could happen to your husband. So when Memorial Day pops up, it's more like you said, I was saying this earlier to Felicia, you know, I want to ask her what Memorial Day is like for her now, because, you know, for us, you know, a lot of families see it as, you know, let's go, we're going to head to the beach this weekend, or let's have a barbecue this weekend or something like that. And as Americans, we're all saying, you know, we're going to pour one out for the fallen, but until it affects you, I I don't think any, anybody realizes how important this holiday is and how much it affects, you know, gold star spouses like you or gold star families um, until, you know, until it is about you, because this, this holiday is about Chris and it's about, service members who've fallen and their family. So I'm really, I have a lot of friends who since Chris has passed, they're like, holiday is different for me now. And I'm like, yeah, me too. And they're like, yeah, this isn't fun anymore. This is sad. Like, yeah, I'm still trying to go to the beach and like barbecue with my friends and stuff. And it's like, but now I'm like, now that I have a soldier that's passed or I have a friend that's passed, it's like, it's got a whole different meaning and like they still try to do something fun like you know pour out something for Chris and like a drink or something like but yeah like it it's not just me that it affects it's like anyone that knew him or anyone that knows a soldier that passes like Memorial Day takes on like this kind of sad you know um remembrance almost like, that, that's what that's we're supposed to be doing that. right yeah they're like they're trying to have fun now it's sad now it's Real, real to me, like actually affected me instead of just you know, uh, yeah, I know soldiers have passed, and that's what this is. It's like, oh well, no, no, no. It's like it really hits home because it's like it, you know, you never think it's going to happen to you. You always and think it's about something else. And that was you know something that really Chris, Chris's mother and I both struggled with. Like, why not someone else? Why us? And you know, of only two soldiers, the entire deployment, it was Chris and Chris is like one of his best friends that he was roommates with in the barracks that I had met several times. So it wasn't even like a stranger. It was like Chris and Chris's like close friend. I'm just like, why not else? Why did it have to be us? And I think, you know, Memorial Day, when that pops up too, you're like, oh, like it's not any, it's not just a blank face anymore. It's not just, you know, people that you don't know. It's directly connected to you and I mean, like, I don't, I don't hate the day. Like, I don't dread it. It's not, you know, unbelievably hard for me. Like, it's bittersweet. Like, it's sad because, like, yeah, we are remembering Chris and other fallen soldiers. But at the same time, it's like so many people come up out of the woodwork and they're just like, let's talk about Chris. Let's post pictures. Let's, you know, post stories. And I'm like, yes, I love that. Because, I mean, think about the rest of the year. Other than, like, his birthday and the day that he passed there's really not a lot of times that people mention his name and on the day that he passed, I really don't like to socialize. I don't like to talk to people. I don't like to get on the internet. Like that day is still very hard for me. I try to occupy myself. I try to go somewhere. I try to be busy on that day. Um, But you know, other people talk about him on that day. People talk about him on his birthday and people talk about him on Memorial day and like three times a year is not, not much. So I'm excited when Memorial Day comes around because I'm like, yay, Chris is going to get remembered. I think um, that's an awesome, like, honestly, like the most beautiful, awesome, like outlook I've ever seen on Memorial Day. Like how you just put it as that, 
you know, I'm excited to hear other people's stories about my husband and I'm excited to see the pictures that they share. And I'm excited to save these to show my daughter. Like, I mean, if you're doing one thing right, like it's that because I, I am like, <laughs> I'm not as strong as you. I would be like, Oh, it's going to be my day of self pity. And I'm going to cry all day and I'm going to, you know, hide under my covers. And I think that is so awesome. And so many like people have a lot to learn from you, Britt, just by that alone, because honestly, like that just blows me away how like good hearted you are with everything that you've been thrown. I just, I'm, (laughs) I'm blown away. Honestly, I just, I'm so thankful that you came on to talk with us and share this because I know, I know that it can't be easy talking about your husband. Um, I'm sure I know like you enjoy it, but I, I'm sure it, every time it might open up that wound up a little every time. So um, we do have to wrap this up, but Britt, thank you so much for coming on and talking with us. I learned so much in this hour of talking with you that I didn't know. And I appreciate you coming on and being raw and real with us because that's the one thing that we advertise the most on our podcast is uncensored real life. And Thank you so much for just sharing all of that with us so authentically, because, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of spouses, you know, wonder how you're doing and, you know, and I know like they wonder what that day must've been like for you and for you to come on here and share so selflessly. Like I just, we both really appreciate that authenticity. Absolutely. Like I'm, I'm honored and eager anytime that someone gives me a chance to talk about Chris or other gold star families or obviously Christian, I could talk about her for days, but um, yeah, it's always like a privilege for me. Like it's, it's not the, it's not depressing. It's not, you know, something that I don't want to do or that I avoid or try to steer away from because it makes me sad. Like I'm, I'm always so eager and I'm appreciative when people give me the opportunity to talk about Chris. Like I said, if, I don't talk about him who's going so this is really something that I want to thank you well we hope you guys enjoyed listening to her as much as we enjoyed talking with her it's super powerful isn't it it really was and um to conclude this episode we asked some of our you know listeners and followers on Facebook and Instagram to share family members and friends that they wanted to honor on that day or on this day and here are a few of those Specialist Christopher M. Harris. First Lieutenant Weston Lee. Sergeant Brandon S. Ashbury. Staff Sergeant Charlie L. Bagwell. Sergeant Brandon E. Hadaway. Chief Warrant Officer 3 Christopher M. Algayer. Chief Warrant Officer 2, Joshua R. Rogers. Sergeant Jesse A. Lamiers. Master Corporal Daryl J. Pride. Corporal Mike Gilliat. Sergeant First Class Samuel Carlos Harrison. Specialist Angel Lopez. Staff Sergeant David Stewart. Private First Class Lester Eugene Chambers. Sergeant Keith A. Coe, Specialist Austin Monk. Please join us in a moment of silence.
Well, that was our confession for this week. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on social media to catch the latest. Hashtag spill the coffee. On the next episode of Coffee Confections. Guilty.